Hello and welcome to Digital Health Unfiltered. In this episode, we welcome back our old friend, Karidi Pisapati. Great to have you back, Karidi. Thanks for having me, Nick. Remind folks uh, who you are. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Karidi. I'm uh, my day to day is I'm a business development manager at uh, Mount Sinai Innovation Partners or MSIP. MSIP is the commercial innovation arm of the Mount Sinai Health System and the School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Um, my role there, I work on various innovation efforts across the health system, both from commercializing Mount Sinai innovations, as well as evaluating various external opportunities. Mostly, I work in digi the digital health and data space, um, also dabble in some diagnostics and genomics and stuff like that, because I used to be a research manager in oncology, so leverage some of that wow. experience. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we go back a long time, right, Nick? <laughs> we sure do. We sure do. Hey, Kriti, it's Rito. It's good to have you back. Um, you know, for the audience, uh, Kriti is like our our top beat reporter um, for, for news organizations. Like whenever like important topics come up, we reach out to you, Kriti, to get your thoughts and views on that. So, uh, so let's launch in. Um, you know, we have a ton of topics to discuss today. So let's start with the first one, Cerner. So, Kriti, back in like. December 2021, Oracle and Cerner announced an agreement for Oracle to acquire Cerner. So give us a state of the state. You know, what are you tracking? What are your thoughts? Yeah. And it's kind of funny. The last time I was on this podcast, I think it was what, August or September, we were talking about this idea of if someone would acquire an EMR. And I think it was Nick that brought up, he gets asked from some of his students, would Apple ever acquire an EMR and would they ever acquire Epic? Yeah. They ask all the time. And it's only natural because, you know, we're using our smartphones, our laptops, and the operating system is pretty functional and pretty fun and easy to use. Uh, whereas electronic health records, still pretty frustrating to a lot of users. Yeah. And so at that time when we were talking about this, I didn't think Apple was going to be the player. I thought it would be a cloud player that was really going to make a splash in the EHR space. And even around that time, there were rumors about Cerner. So it, ha it happened. Um, Oracle came in. They, brought, they paid about $28 billion to buy Cerner. And just to put that value in context, since that announcement, there were only two, lar two larger U.S. acquisitions in that time. Microsoft acquired Activision. That was above $60 billion or something. And so don't quote me on those numbers. They're, they were high. Um, and then this past week, Elon Musk decided to tell the whole world to hold his beer. And, <laughs> and that's somewhere in the range of like a little above 40 billion from what I what I saw. Um, so right now we are uh, the acquisitions going through its various regulatory processes. So the tender offer has had to be extended a few times to allow for those regulatory things to happen. So it hasn't officially like been in, incorporated into Oracle. From a structure standpoint, the idea is Cerner is going to become a business unit within Oracle. And then from my standpoint, I wasn't surprised that they were acquired from what we heard last year. But what I've been trying to understand is, what does this really mean for Oracle? Um, how does it fit into their current ecosystem? And what's their long-term strategy now that they're entering the healthcare space in, in such a way? Yeah, you know, that's, that's fascinating. So like in preparation for this discussion, you know, I started with a a simple Google, Oracle bids for Cerner. And I got a ton of articles that actually referenced Oracle bids for TikTok. Remember <laughs> that was happening? And at first it like really didn't seem related, 
But I found this interesting nugget in a Wall Street Journal article that I want to read to you guys. It said, Oracle's interest in TikTok is primarily driven by kickstarting its fledgling cloud computing business, which remains far behind market leaders like Amazon, Microsoft, people familiar with the matter set, end quote. So I did wonder if this is like another play by Oracle to really expand their cloud business, which, you know, from all this tracking and our tracking is far behind AWS, Azure, and even Google Cloud for that matter. And you're exactly right. That's a great point. And we're not only talking about in the healthcare space, the overall cloud market space, they're behind those. And there are actually like a few other companies in between Oracle and those big three. So that's why I thought one of the original big three were going to make a play. Um, instead, Oracle came in like St. Peter's and Marsh Madness and busted my bracket. <laughs> but they're still a cloud player. They're a mid-major, I guess, what we'll call them, right? Um, and as part of that acquisition, the plan is for Cerner to move its systems to the Oracle Gen 2 cloud. So that means they're going to get more cloud computing business out of this. In addition, we're seeing Oracle mention a lot of discussion around their voice assistant technologies to modernize the Cerner system and improve the user experience. Interesting play as well. We know previously Cerner was already working on documentation assistance uh, when they were Cerner themselves. We know Epic has been working on this with their Hey Epic stuff. And then Microsoft and Nuance. Nuance was doing it before. We always talked, we talked about Sekera in my last in the last time I was here, Microsoft acquiring Nuance. So like there are other players in this. So now we're seeing Oracle. And then the big question is: does Oracle have healthcare domain experience in voice assistance? Yeah, well, I've not heard of it. <laughs> uh, I mean, from my perspective, Nuance and their Dragon software, I think, is the market leader. Certainly, among my colleagues, that that is the most familiar and uh, widespread uh, user. Now, uh, Nuance is part of Microsoft, which is interesting, and I, I wonder if that, you know, ultimately they will, you know, stop stop marketing or stop uh, developing for for some of these other EHRs. But um, the other big player that I'm familiar with is M-Modal with Fluency Direct, which you know I remember from personal experience did did quite well. I, just googling around to prepare, I did see that Oracle had like voice assistants that were introduced prior to the pandemic, but I don't know any colleagues that use them. Yeah, and I think we've in the experience that we've had in the space, voice is a tough cookie to crack, um, especially this using AI invoice, not just transcription. And it requires a lot of healthcare-specific technologies and domain expertise. So I guess that's where Cerner comes into play with Oracle here. From a cloud play, it makes a total, a lot of sense. Um, just as of 2021, Cerner had about 24% of the EHR market share. It's still number two to Epic by quite a bit. But now moving those cloud services over to Oracle, that's still a good chunk of cloud business for them. So that's great as Oracle tries to bolster itself as a cloud provider. I mean, I think only time will tell that if under Oracle, um, and that's also if Feinberg stays, Cerner can chip away at that lead. And let's also not forget, we were only a few months into Feinberg's Oracle tenure when he moved over from Google Help when all of this was announced. Hmm. Yeah. So and for, for the audience who were not familiar with that, we're talking about David Feinberg, who was with Google Health and now joined Cerner as their sub-CEO. So let's you know, now talk a little bit about the data play here. So if Oracle, like, quote unquote, owns Cerner, 
which is different than other cloud players who actually serve as vendors of existing EHR vendors, right? So it doesn't really allow them to mine the available information or insights the same way that Oracle might have. And based on all my reading so far, that seems to be part of the strategy. You know, a lot of people are writing about their ability to mine data. A lot of companies have bought data sources, EHRs, just for the sake of mining mental health data and other things. So while I don't know the full legal parameters here, but if they're able to do that and do that well, it would be a huge opportunity for Oracle and perhaps even their customers to uh, to be able to mine that data for claims, yeah. information, therapeutics, whatnot. Nick? Yeah, I, I wonder about that. And remember, Cerner won the big VA contract a few years ago. Uh, so they are soon going to be the electronic health record for 9 million American veterans, 170 medical centers, over 1,000 VA clinics. Does all that data then just feed into Oracle now? I I don't know how that works, <laughs> but uh, just uh, to take a step back and ask about these partnerships, you know, when companies were competing for the VA contract and before that, even the Department of Defense contract, um, Epic partnered with IBM, Google was in play with PricewaterhouseCooper and MedSphere and General Dynamics, and Cerner was partnered with Lidos and Accenture. And uh, like just reading it, these consulting companies do get around, but Accenture does have a long track record, seems to work frequently and closely with both Cerner and Oracle. So I wonder if they played matchmaker here. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't <laughs> know whether they played matchmaker. It's not like a dating website that you can go find out. Um, but on the data ownership side, we could have a whole podcast devoted to this debate. I think we the, the conferences the three of us attend, there are panels on this all the time. So for this particular case, I think I wanted to borrow from from the a Cerner press release when they announced a collaboration with AWS years ago. So they had a few tenants in that. And one of those tenants was patients own data, the providers, the payers, and payers remain custodians of that of their data. Cerner's job is to support clients being good custodians, and Cerner will remain transparent in everything. And Based on those tenants, <laughs> you guys can't see this on in the podcast. Nick just put up his hands. A lot of hand waving going on. Yeah, <laughs> um, nothing to they, see here. They did. They did talk about a bunch of things that Cerner will do, and then they one line really stood out to me. Cerner will use the data to enhance services so that it streamlines support and makes software more efficient for the user. And that, that's a broad statement. And so one of the things I think about is new tools and analytics could make the software more efficient for the user. And I think all the devil's in the details here in terms of data access is really probably the key we're going to get at here and for what purpose. And it really depends on agreements and all of that stuff. And the, as Sadipto had said, the legalities. But I do see this other synergy here. Cerner already runs on the Oracle database. So it makes this transition pretty seamless from a Cerner to Oracle standpoint. And now Cerner customers can leverage artificial intelligence and machine learning tools from Oracle to develop insights. Now that's more potential of selling Oracle solutions, which will make Larry Ellison very happy. So I think there's that synergy. So pretty interesting to see what comes up next. Well, so let's talk about David Feinberg just appearing at Oracle right before the acquisition. Uh, it, it, that and actually, let's use it. He left his post at Google Health 
and I imagine that it was a part of his uh, interview process that was like, you know, by the way, this is in the works. What do you think? But um, Google Health does seem to have had a lot of high-profile departures lately. And is that the is it the end of Google Health again? Yeah, it was. I think it's extremely interesting that all the timing and like the pieces fell in when they did. And Google Health had a lot of question marks around it, right? What is the product? What are they selling? What are they trying to do in healthcare? And then David Feinberg goes to Cerner. And then there was a little bit more of what's the future of Google Health? And then for a while, we got all this these press releases that Google Health was staying the course. And then we got, oh, no, 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 we're going to restructure. <laughs> So the centralized health division started to get reassigned to other areas of Google. And I think going into areas of Google that still work in healthcare, but even that was ambiguous. Um, Now we're starting to see some of that come to light. Uh, Recently, right in an announcement came out that actually fits right into Google's wheelhouse. Um, Google's working with partners to enable scheduling appointments within Google search. And Google search is what Google's known for. <laughs> so now you're able to see search for your position and schedule your appointment right in that column where you see like that business uh, information. It's currently in pilot phase with a few providers, but they're thinking about expanding that feature. Then other areas, right? They're thinking about enabling search to provide information on which providers accept your insurance, which is always that hassle, right? Who accepts my insurance? What position can I go to? That's really cool to see, I guess, right? Um, Then you have YouTube working with healthcare organizations and public health leaders to increase the volume and visibility of various healthcare information and, of course, credible healthcare information and enabling tools for people to access and better understand that information. So this, this slew of announcements right here fits into the Google ethos of information at your fingertips. And it kind of almost feels like Google's going back to its roots, but with a little healthcare twist. Yeah. And now you also have the AI team still. Um, those those still exist and they're working on <laughs> they're working on various diagnostic and screening algorithms. And I think for years we've been hearing about the diabetic retinopathy detection algorithm. And recently they've uh, finished a prospective study in Thailand, and I think we're going to get results from that. Um, then we're, they're also talking about building algorithms that would leverage smartphone features, as well as uh, maybe working with uh, ultrasound devices and ultrasound algorithms. So th- that's kind of the area that I'm interested to see where it goes. How does Google plan to deploy these particular products if they become a healthcare product into the space? Maybe we'll see it go through Verily, which is their other arm, uh, the Alphabet subsidiary that does a ton of healthcare work, or Fitbit areas, like or a Fitbit type vehicle, maybe another spin out like a Duo, um, or will these be just add-ons to a Google Health app if it's in a smartphone? Uh, yeah, all to be TBD. I feel like I, I saw that Fitbit um, just got approval for atrial fibrillation detection, which. It's a good sign for me. I, I, good for them. It's a slog. It's it requires like a lot of bureaucracy and research, and not just building a great sensor and but like testing it and validating it and and uh, and going through all these uh, research steps. 
they're doing it four years after Apple Watch was able to do it. And, for, and Apple Watch was able to do it like six or seven years or something after a live core first demonstrated that uh, you could uh, you could have these portable consumer devices doing medical grade kind of uh, diagnosis. Um, so in a way, it made me happy that like Google is reaffirming its commitment to the health space. And it also makes me happy that like atrial fibrillation detection is here to stay and it's not going to be a fad. It's going to be a mainstream feature of smartwatches and none of our kids will ever grow up not knowing a world where you could detect atrial fibrillation with, with a watch. Um, so that that's pretty wild. But, you know, what it also demonstrates to me is that this reliable capture of atrial fibrillation, once you get good at that and good, other electrophysiology measures become available, um, and like Apple Watch has been promoting that it, it does a really good job detecting your VO2 max and now your heart rate variability. And Fitbit has been claiming to do this for a while too, but I, I feel better that Fitbit is doing it now on the backs of a, a approved medical device. Uh, having heart rate variability and VO2 max really opens the door because it's not just how fast you run or how, how hard your heart is working during a, a workout, but those are metrics that are now associated with your overall fitness level and, and even like mortality rates. And, and uh, that is something that, uh, of course, Google would want to, to know this sort of information. They are in the advertising business. Uh, what advertiser wouldn't want to know like uh, this kind of important health details about their customer? Apple was probably not planning to monetize that data, but I could imagine that Google might be. Yeah, I haven't thought about it from a data monetization standpoint, but we're also looking at it just from a device standpoint, a lot of devices have now gone into this space. Uh, Samsung and Google have partnered to bring Wear OS to the Galaxy Watch and basically the same features that you see on the Apple Watch and the Gal and Fitbit or on the Galaxy Watch as well. So we're seeing these kind of come across the space and we've seen others enter the space as well. Whoop is another one in the space and it's huge in the fitness world, actually more Fitness enthusiasts, I think, use that over mm -hmm. an Apple Watch or a, yeah. a Galaxy Watch. Um, I think we're still in a question mark phase of these consumer wearables. Um, we have to see that the tech and the algorithms and the the metrics improve. We also have to see the battery life improve to improve to sustain continuous monitoring if we're really going to see this really make some sort of impact. So I think. Once we get to that point, it's going to be really interesting to see how that data and streams impact healthcare at a larger scale, both from a care delivery aspect, as well as how do we understand that data? Do we give that data to pharma to make some insights or stuff like that from a, like, as you were discussing, data monetization? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, and Kiriti, um, when you were talking about sort of search earlier, um, it kind of reminded me of an article that I saw recently where Google announced that they're doing a partnership with Meditech. Um, and while Meditech, the EMR, does not seem like a household name, it is, um, you know, it, it is third in terms of market share after Epic and Cerner. So you mentioned that Cerner was 24% of the market, uh, Epic's about 32, 33%. Meditech's like 16%. So it's not like, you know, nothing that is about there. Um, and this is a class report that I recently sort of got that I was looking at where these numbers came from. But so, you know, the, the early indications seem to be that Google will partner with them to improve what I call the facade and not the plumbing. So the facade, including things like search, as you're sort of saying, 
um, and not the base plumbing of the, the EMR itself. So how you pull information out of the EMR. Um, that the core of the medic core of meditech will remain the same, but users interfacing with it will, will get a rebound. And I think which is a huge direction which EHR spaces need to go. I mean, Nick mentioned it, and you know, I've, I've never met a doctor or a staff member who say that they love entering the information to the EHR and things like that. Um, I know that this is still an evolving um, sort of space. I think we'll come back to uh, you know to. To, to discuss the partnership and, and see how it goes. And for the audience, I think, um, you know, this would be a good time to sort of start wrapping up. I mean, only, <laughs> only, only when we, we talk to Kariti do we go from Google to Apple to Fitbit to wearables to Cerner to staff moves and things like that. So Kariti, as always, thanks a ton for your insights. We'll have you back again. There's so much to discuss. You know, Epic came out with their CRM, you know, Aaron Martin moved to Amazon. So, so we'll have you back here pretty soon to, uh, to talk about things. Appreciate it, guys. Always a pleasure to be here. Um, love listening to your podcast. So excited to come back and talk about more stuff. Awesome. Thanks so much, Karidi. And uh, folks, uh, we'll see you next time on Digital Health Unfiltered.